Good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. Let's stand up. Sing of the great things the Lord's done. Here we go.
Thank you uh, that every day gets sweeter with you and gets better because of your goodness to us, not because of uh, how you bless our circumstances, but because of what you've done through your son, Jesus. And as we grow, we grow more and more into the realization of that. We grow more and more into the realization of how powerful you are. And uh, God, we keep coming back to this well called Hope Vale, where you can um, remind us of that, where you can speak again into our lives of the power of you and the power of Jesus and the power of the cross, the saving power that uh, gives us life eternal. So, Lord, thank you for your goodness to us, and um, we'll be mindful 
uh, to sing of your love forever in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, glad you guys are here. Uh, Take just a second while you're standing. Say hello to somebody around you. We'll see you back in in a second. Thanks, gang. Yeah, it's 2020. We have apps. So uh, text Hopevale app to 77977 if that's something that interests you. And you can follow along with what's going on at Hopevale behind the scenes and all kinds of stuff that's offered to you. I can't tell you how many times somebody asks me, say, hey, uh, where can I find a Bible study? Where can I get connected with a group or something like that? And boom, this is a great first step is uh, to check your app. But obviously, talk to somebody, talk to a pastor, or talk to anybody you'd like to talk to about that. But um, if you need some help, uh, there's some people available at the help desk in the lobby uh, to help you uh, get connected and, and do those things. Uh, we we're just having a conversation before service today. Um, for iPhone users, you have to go to your app store and actually, um, up if you already have the app, update it. Um, if you've not gotten the most updated version because it's changed. So go ahead and update it, and then it'll function properly. So there's that. Well, good morning, everybody. Yeah, I'm Billy. I'm the one of the pastors here. I do worship and music, and been here for about three years, and love it. And I hope you love it too. Uh, here at Hope Vale, if however long you've been here, if it's your first time with us, certainly glad you're here. Uh, hope you've felt a little bit of a, a red carpet experience with our, our greeter team and some friendly faces coming in, and um, maybe not too invasive, so you can still be a little anonymous coming in to check it out and sniff it out. So. Uh, glad you're here, friends. Um, we have a gift for you if you're uh, courageous enough to go to the uh, lobby and, and connect at the welcome desk and say, hi, I'm new. Uh, Billy said I'd get something free, so <laughs> go get something free. Hey, a um, couple announcements for us this morning. I uh, wanted to talk to us a little bit about um, our library. We used to have a library over here uh, in our uh, where the hub is now, but the library is now um, at our Hopevale Ministry Center here in Saginaw. And it's at 5360 Shattuck Road. And tomorrow night, Monday night, uh, February 17, from 4.30 to 7 p.m., we're going to do an open house uh, with some coffee, some tea, and some snacks. And so there's Christian fiction and nonfiction and all kinds of stuff there. Uh, Ideas for group studies and uh, just personal reading as well, book clubs, new materials, uh, suggestions, and all kinds of stuff uh, for you. So uh, take advantage of that. Um, It's a great ministry, some Uh, People here in our church run behind the scenes, volunteer, and they put a lot into it for resources for you so you can continue growing in your faith and continue to help others around you grow in their faith. So hopefully a library. I want you to know about that. Lastly, um, Pastor Dan preached uh, a great uh, marriage challenge last week to all of us in this uh, LEAP series. And as a follow-up to that, our, our group's folks want you to know that there is a Maximize Your Marriage course coming up. It begins on March 1. It runs for six weeks long. Uh, so if, you're, if you have interest in that, go to hopevale.org uh, backslash uh, find a group, and uh, you can connect that way too. So lots of, lots of different things going on, but those are the hot ticket items we just want to mention verbally for us. Ushers, if you would, come on forward, and uh, we'll collect this morning's offering. And uh, ushers, as always, and our greeters, thank you for serving this morning. Really appreciate you all uh, serving the Lord this way. Well, um, Giving at Hopevale is uh, something that we do. Uh, it's at Hopevale, but it's to God. It's for the Lord. And uh, Pastor Dan's going to be preaching a little bit about that today, about, um, about our giving and, and uh, what the Bible says about that. Uh, giving's mentioned something like, I don't know, 400, 300, 400 times in the Bible. It's always that little uncomfortable topic that people talk about in churches, but you just say what the Scripture says and 
let you deal with it. <laughs> so, as we have to deal with it too. So, um, you know, we give out of inspiration because of so much that we see here at church and all the stuff that we put on, but we give out of obedience too because the Lord calls us to be obedient in our giving. And um, even in Malachi, the, in the Old Testament, he says, test me in this. See if I won't f- throw, throw open the floodgates of, of heaven for you. And uh, so there's something in it for you too as you serve the Lord, as you give to him, and as God uses your resources to bless others. And so this message, this mission of Jesus Christ can be moved and pushed on in different ways. And uh, he doesn't need it, but he just says, hey, do this, and it's a good discipleship move for you. And uh, which is beautiful. So it's a really like uh, it's a great discipleship move for all of us. So we can be encouraged in our obedience and in our inspiration as we give too. So let's pray. Lord, um, we just sang of your goodness. We sang of uh, your power. And so, uh, Lord, we uh, take this time to uh, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us and how you've blessed our families and how you've blessed us individually. And um, God, I know everybody here uh, may not be operating in a place of um, overflow or blessing, but uh, God, you encourage us to do what our next step is, not just in our giving of our finances, but the giving of our time and the giving of our talents to you and the way that we serve you, the way that we live for you. Um, Church is a great big um, challenge on a Sunday. And it's a great big encouragement, too, to just keep walking with you, God. So help us to do that to the best of our ability as we give out of inspiration and out of obedience uh, today. Lord, we love you and ask that you would bless this time of giving in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, glad you could do that today, friends. We're going to continue in worship, and uh, Michelle's going to lead us in this uh, Lauren Daigle tune, How Could It Be? Let's worship together.
Michelle, thank you so much. God, um, we sing that out from the bottom of our tiptoes. Gave your life so um, so we could have it eternally. God, uh, that story never grows old. And if it does, forgive us. Forgive us deeply. Thank you for the freedom we have in you. Thank you for the blessing we have in you. And so we sing. you guys who never see. Good morning, Hope Al. You know, I love when we gather for worship and God uh, meets us with moments. And there's just those times, I, I don't know, where things just seem to stand still and it's like just you and God and there's a lyric or a, a word or a note and it just pierces your heart with grace and truth. And that's Jesus speaking. And I, we can't manufacture moments, but we can be available. And I trust that God has given you moments of worship like that. Whether you are here or you're in Bay City. And welcome, Bay City. Great to have you along. So I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here. And, you know, if you've been in church these last couple weeks, uh, we've been talking about the launch of our new Hopevale Church mobile app for smartphones and tablets, and I got to tell you, this thing is great, right? And I would encourage everyone uh, who calls Hopevale their church home to download it on their phones, use it regularly. Pastor Pete and his team have done a tremendous job getting this ready to bring to our church, and really the goals are this, better communication, greater connection, and closer community. And, uh, you know, if you've had the previous version of our app, this thing is just a huge step up from that. It's easier to use. It's more visually appealing. The content uh, itself refreshes based on your preferences and is very up-to-date with the latest happenings at Hopevale, including, uh, you know, things like weather cancellations, kind of relevant for this time of year, right? And we can push that through. Now, the reason I'm bringing it up right now at the beginning of the message has to do Um, with Sundays and the messages. And so when you pull up the app, this is what the home screen looks like. And at the very bottom, 
there's a series of buttons. One button says Sundays, and when you click on that, you get a screen like this with different things, sermons and more, right? That you're able to go back and watch uh, all the sermons from previous weeks if you happen to miss on a Sunday. You're also able to access our Spotify playlist where you can hear the worship music from each week. But I want to draw your attention to this, sermon notes, because when you click on that, then you get a whole series of here are all the notes for all the messages every week. So here, for instance, is a screenshot from last week. You click on Leap into Marriage, and it comes up here. You get a whole section, and as you scroll down, there are notes with relevant points to the message, as well as uh, key scripture. It, it mirrors a lot what you see on the screen here. It takes you a little deeper as well. And, um, you know, what's great about these notes, too, is that they, they not only help you follow along while you are in service, but you can also use them later on in the week, whether personally or in a group setting. So again, we don't want to overwhelm you with too much information, too much technology, but we do want you to know about the tools that are available to you, because anything that we can put in your hands, make part of your life to help you grow as a Jesus follower, we want to do that. So if you have the app, the best way to learn it is just to use it. And today we've got people out in the lobbies of both campuses kind of setting up a help desk that if you have questions or running into challenges, you can do that as well. Well, today we are now into the third week of our February series, and this series is entitled Leap. Leap, four commitments worth making. Week one, we talked about a leap into church, specifically this small C local church called Hopevale, both in Saginaw and in Bay City. Then last week, we talked about a leap into marriage, that when we understand and live out God's plan for marriage, we will discover that contrary to cultural belief, commitment does not lead to confinement, but rather in Christ, commitment in marriage can lead to contentment. Really, contentment. A contentment that is discovered as we walk together in marriage, although as we also saw as followers of Jesus, it will mean some personal character refinement along the way. After all, discipleship is refinement, right? Where Jesus wants to use the dynamics of our relationship status, you know, whatever it is, whether single or married, he wants to use that dynamic to make us less selfish and more forgiving, right? Where we become more and more like Jesus and experience an even more of the capital L life he has for us. So that's where we've been, but as we turn the page now to this week, we're going to look at our third leap, and that is a leap into giving. A leap into giving. What it means to give money joyfully, generously, and sacrificially to the Lord through our local church. Now, apparently, I didn't learn very much from last week because I can't think of anything more personal and sensitive to preach about than marriage and living together and singleness and separation and divorce. I mean, there's nothing else out there like that, right? Well, maybe there's one other thing. Yeah, money. Money. I mean, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions about money are some of the most personal and most powerful ones we have. What is it about money that can get us so riled up and so bummed out? You know, I've said this before about our emotions, that of all the emotions we experience, you can basically put them into one of four categories. Sad, glad, mad, afraid. Our emotions, right? Sad, glad, mad and afraid. And if you think about it, money can make us feel all four of those, and in some cases, very intensely. It tells us that something is going on, right, in us. So for instance, whether it's me praying for someone after church who just lost their job because they're afraid of having enough to get by, or it's me counseling someone else off the ledge who is so fired up because they lend some money to a friend and they know now they're never going to get it back, right? And so I know what I'm stepping into today by talking about money and giving. It's what they used to say in those southern churches, right? It's going from preaching to meddling, right? 
And so for me to even suggest that I have something to say to you about what you should do with your money is none of my business, right? And if you know what, if it was just me, you are right. Absolutely right. That's why I need to bring Jesus into this conversation because as you hear his words from scripture, you'll discover that he had a lot to say about money. He really did, including he knew both the good it can do and he knew the harm it could cause. And see, Jesus recognized that money is an emotional issue for us to think about. It's an emotional issue for us to talk about. Why? Because ultimately it's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the pocketbook. It's a matter of the heart. And that in the end, we are fooling ourselves to think we can ride the fence of having dual loves of both God and money because in reality, Jesus says only one is going to win out in the end in our lives. And so this morning, we're just going to confront our emotions about money and giving as they relate to us growing as a follower of Jesus. Now, I realize that with the hundreds of us here today and watching online, that some of you would not identify as a follower of Jesus or as the Bible describes it, a Christian. Now, just to be clear, when I say Christian, this is not by nationality and it's not by birth, but rather it is by spiritual rebirth, what Jesus describes as being born again, that experience of inside-out transformation when God's grace invades our life through our full faith and trust in him. In Jesus alone. That's why our mission here at Hopewell is to invite as many people as possible to know Jesus personally as their Savior and to follow him more fully as their Lord. And so if you're not at that point right now, most of what I'm going to say about money and giving won't apply to you. As a matter of fact, the last thing I want you to think about coming out of today is the dangerous belief that being generous with your money and helping others somehow gets you in good with God because it won't. No, actually, it's when we recognize there is no amount of good we can do that will win God over. When we get to that point, that's when we get to the end of ourselves. That's when we see our need for a Savior and come to discover that Jesus alone is that Savior. And so for some of you, you know, that's the issue I want you to wrestle with today, the Jesus issue. If you've got questions about who the real Jesus is and who this Jesus can be for you, we'd love to talk to you about that more. We really would. But if you do know Jesus as your Savior and you do want to follow him more fully as your Lord, especially in the context of this local church called Hopewell, then I want you to pay attention. Because this message about taking a leap into giving really is more about growing your faith than filling our coffers. It's about growing your faith. And so as I've been teaching about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, that a disciple of Jesus learns more and obeys better, money and giving is one of those major crossroads we all have to face. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at the words of Jesus. So if you have a Bible with you, a physical paper copy or digital one, I invite you to join me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. Gospel of Mark, one of those four biographies of Jesus at the beginning of the New Testament. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. You can also pull up sermon notes on your phone, just like I showed you to. And don't tell me you don't know how to do it, because I just talked about it, right? Mark, chapter 10. We're going to begin with verse 17. Here's what it says. As Jesus started on his way, and so often in the Gospels we see Jesus in route from one place to another, from one ministry assignment to another. In route, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Inherit eternal life, and as you've heard me say before, the expression eternal life that we see in Scripture is what I mean when I say life with a capital L. Not just existence, but eternal life, right? And it's not just being about being forgiven and knowing you're going to heaven after you die, although that is part of it. No, life with a capital L, eternal life, also means being bonded with Jesus in the here and now. It's the kind of life that you were originally created to enjoy, and it's the kind of life that Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is the Savior of mankind, it's what he made possible through his death and resurrection. What must I do to inherit Eternal life, it's a legitimate question. And look at the urgency of this man. 
He ran up to Jesus. He fell on his knees before him. There is a sense of desperation and urgency, right? So Jesus replies, verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Now, I read this at first and I'm going, to be honest, I don't really know totally what Jesus is up to, why that was the first statement out of his mouth, other than maybe he wants to test this man's motives. Maybe he's trying to call out his flattery, right? So Jesus goes on, verse 19, and he answers the question. Well, you know the commandments, right? And Jesus starts quoting, you know, from the Ten Commandments. Shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother, and he goes down the list, right? You know this. And yet with these words... Jesus often does, as he often does in the Gospels, and he often does with us, he's setting this man up for a very intense, incredibly honest moment of self-reflection. He really wants him to think and look inward. And so to use life signs lingo, for those of you who are part of January, this is the how are you part of the conversation, and the dagger of really is just around the corner, okay? Verse 20, teacher, this man says to Jesus, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Good answer, right? Really good answer. And I genuinely believe he thinks this to be true. And yet, do you notice that this is the second time that this guy calls Jesus teacher or rabbi, which is certainly a term of respect, but it's a limited term because It doesn't recognize that Jesus is so much more than just a teacher. After all, Jesus' ministry was not just about teaching truth, but it was also about performing miracles, casting out demons, healing the sick. Why? So that he could demonstrate his supernatural power, so he could prove that his kingdom indeed is coming. And I got to think that this man who runs up to Jesus had at least heard about Jesus doing these things. And yet with these words, he keeps it formal. And distant. Teacher, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Well, Jesus had read this man like a book, so he responds with this challenge, verse 21. Now look at this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Boy, I love this, right? Because he's about to say something very intense, very confrontational. And I think we need to understand that when Jesus speaks confrontational truth in our life, it's not to put us down. It's to lift us up. He does it out of love. So what does he say out of love to this man? One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. If you want to stop playing the religious games, if you're serious about eternal life, if you really want a vibrant fate with the living God that is more than just keeping the rules, then you can't hold anything back, Jesus tells him. And us. You can't hold anything back. After all, you can't have anything more important in your life than God himself. Because after all, what's the very first of the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. Which Jesus somehow in his infinite wisdom knew was not the case with this man. He knew it, right? A man who probably was very well spoken, finely dressed, highly educated, gave off this air of superiority, right? Jesus somehow knew that his wealth was his stumbling block. So Jesus looks at him and says, go, sell, give away, then inherit, come, and follow. What a challenge, and it's all done out of love. Now, before we get to this man's response, the question often comes up, does Jesus ask this of everyone? Does he ask this of us? Are we supposed to sell everything we have and give it away to the poor? Well, my answer is a very firm yes. And no. Yes and no. How's that for conviction, right? Yeah. Seriously, though, it's no, because I don't think the specific actions Jesus lays out for this particular man are meant for everyone. But yes, I do think the general concept is true for all of us. That we can't tell God that there are certain things in our lives that are off limits to him. Right? Lord, You can have this, this, and this over here in my life, but that over there, hands off, stay away. It's mine. 
See, that's not following Jesus. That's selective obedience. Thinking somehow 80, 90% is good enough for the Lord. Well, back to the story, and whether you've heard it before or not, you can probably guess how it's going to play out. Verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. I love that, right? I mean, he's exposed. Like, he just can't hide his true feelings. What's going on inside of him? His face fell. He went away sad. Emotion word, right? Because he had great wealth. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He just couldn't do it. There it is. Like I said earlier, there are those strong emotions that money can churn up in us. Sad because he was exposed. Sad because he couldn't have it all. And think about people who have great wealth. They go through life really thinking and believing and acting like they can have it all. But in this case, he couldn't. Not this time. And so when asked to make a choice, he chose his great wealth. He went away sad. Now, the reason I chose this passage of Scripture from the life of Jesus to talk to you about a leap into giving is that I believe the number one barrier to local church giving in the life of a Christian is not a matter of knowledge, nor is it a matter of how much or how little income you have. No, it's a matter of the heart's. It's a matter of the emotions, it's a matter of faith, it's a matter of trust, it's a matter of commitment, it's a matter of following Jesus in everything. So yes, there might be some of you here, I I get this, who are unfamiliar with some of the basic biblical principles of giving, like the tithe, or giving back 10% of your total income as an act of worship to the Lord. And I do think learning more about biblical principles of giving is important, and so if you feel like you need to learn more, go back to the Bible, or you can go to our sermon archives online and hear past messages about money and giving. Learning more certainly is part of growing as a disciple of Jesus, but so is obeying better. And if feeling sad or mad or afraid about the very idea of bringing this area of your life about money, about giving under the lordship of Jesus, if it's stirring something up within you, then it should tell you something about your heart. And I say that not to guilt you, but I do say that to challenge you. Pay attention to your emotions. Pay attention to what your emotions are telling you about what you really believe, not with your words, but with your heart, your emotions, and your actions. Now, if you've been around Hope Pharaoh for a while, you know what this means, right? 168. This whole idea that as followers of Jesus, we are called to glorify Jesus in everything. Everything. Not just one hour on Sunday, but every hour of your week, all 168 of them, and every area of your life, every area including giving. That in grateful response to his amazing grace, we want to glorify Jesus in everything, including money and giving is an act of worship that nothing is off limit to the Lord's. 168 is about having a comprehensive faith, not a compartmentalized faith, you know, where we put God and church and Sunday in one box and then we put our money and our stuff in a completely separate box and never the two shall meet, right? No. 168 means bringing it all together and that he is Lord over everything. And then speaking of diagrams, I also showed this to you two weeks ago. This is our life model for growing as a Christian. Starts with our life with Jesus, right? And as we nurture and grow that through learning more, obeying better, and glorifying Jesus in everything, it spills over into our life with people, both within and outside the church. And then from there, it leads us to a unique life with purpose, how God has gifted us, where he has placed us, right? And as we saw two weeks ago then here, that our commitment to Jesus is best worked out through our commitments at Hopewell. This is so important that you understand this, right? That our commitment to Jesus is best worked out through our commitments at Hopewell. What that is and is not saying, it's so important that you get that, right? Because here's the thing, for me to talk to you about giving here at Hopewell is not me demanding that your ultimate loyalty should lie with the church, because it shouldn't. No, your number one loyalty is to Jesus, always. And yet the best way for you to practically work out that loyalty 
is in your church home. It's with your church family. Where we are in community, where we are on mission together to bring the hope of Jesus to the world around us, both near and far, right? Our commitment to Jesus is best worked out through our commitments at Hopevale. Let me just add this, that if you are a follower of Jesus and we are not your church home, then I would encourage you to live this out at your own church home, right? Give to the Lord there. And if you don't have a church home, then find one and plant yourself there. Again, your first and greatest commitment as a Christian is to Jesus. No question about it, but then you work out that commitment in the context of a local church with like-hearted believers. But then for the rest of you who do call Hopevale your church home, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to either begin or to continue to give to the Lord as an act of worship through Hopevale. To begin or to continue to give to the Lord as an act of worship through Hopevale. Again, more as a way to grow your faith than to fill our coffers, that despite your fears, that despite all your emotions, that by faith and in obedience to Jesus, I want you to make a leap into giving and to make this commitment. So what does that look like? Like, how do you do it practically? What does it mean? Because it's so much more than us making an emotional plea right now and passing a plate. It's something to build into our life. And how do you build it into your life? Well, I've taught about some principles before on this topic, principles that aren't original to me. I actually borrowed them from Pastor Andy Stanley, who though in turn built it upon a foundation of Scripture. So all the concepts that I'm going to share here come straight out of the Bible, right? Three practical principles for giving. So here they are. First, have a plan. Have a plan for your giving, whether it's every week, every month, twice a month, every paycheck, whether it's online, in the plate, or through the app, whether it's by cash, by check, by charge, whether it's something you initiate every time or you set up reoccurring giving like a number of you have done. It's what we've done as well. We did it through the app. It's really easy. But see, here's the thing. How you give is a secondary matter. How you give is, and quite frankly, I think God gives us a lot of freedom in that. He really does, based on our own personal preferences and our own set of circumstances. The point here with having a plan, though, is that we need to be purposeful and proactive, not haphazard and reactive, right? Purposeful, proactive, not haphazard and reactive. You know, where it's all left up to, we show up on Sunday and whether or not we have any loose change in our purse or our wallet, right? That's reactive. That's haphazard. No, have a plan, And then second, pick a percentage. Pick a percentage. The idea behind percentage is this, that giving to the Lord isn't just limited to people who have a certain amount of wealth. I feel like I run into a lot of people who have this kind of mindset, quite frankly, right? I'll start giving to the Lord once I have a certain amount of money, right? But if that's you, you're missing the mark. You really are. You know, I find it interesting that when you go to the Bible... Under the Old Testament sacrificial system for sins, God made an alternative provision for those who didn't have much and couldn't afford to sacrifice an entire lamb. He had an alternative provision that they could instead offer two doves. As a matter of fact, you see this in the New Testament with Jesus' own parents, Mary and Joseph, upon coming to the temple, offer two doves. See, the point is it's not about how much you have. No, giving is about what you do with what you have. And again, like I mentioned earlier, the tithe principle of giving 10% to the Lord, and while we as Christians are no longer under the old covenant, right, required, mandated to give that tithe, I do think that 10% mark gives us something to shoot for rather than us making up some number we can get by with. Most researchers will tell you that the average giving among Christians in America is somewhere around 3 to 4% of total income, 3 to 4%, which means, like if I'm doing the math, then some Christians who do tithe that bring up that average means there are others who bring down that average in the 0, 1, or 2% range, right? Probably haphazardly. See, my, my point in picking a percentage is you're targeting a specific dollar amount. It's all part of having a plan. And so if you've never given regularly here at Hopevale, start somewhere. Just start with a number, like, if you're doing it from scratch, 10% out of the box is probably too high. So aim for five or three or one. Right? The number is between you and God, but pick 
something and give from there. And then third, make it a priority. Make your giving a priority. That giving to the Lord should be your first commitment and not your last option. In other words, it is a yes in your life, not a maybe or a we'll see. And the priority principle for giving shows up in the Bible in something known as first fruits giving. Roots in the Old Testament in a more agrarian world where God commanded the people of God to, to give their first fruits offering, meaning whatever they were growing in that fields that year, they were to take the crops from the first harvest, bring those back to the central place of worship and give to the Lord. Back then, the first reaping was considered the best of the harvest, so the implication is that God deserves our best, not our leftovers, right? Which is not only true of giving, it's really true of all of our lives. God deserves our best, not our leftovers. Not only that, but the priority principle keeps us from procrastinating, keeps us from waiting to the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the paycheck to see if we have anything left over from God. Trust me, if you do not make giving a priority, an upfront priority in your life, there are always going to be other wants and needs vying for your attention, right? And so as part of the plan you've made with the percentage you've picked, make your giving to the Lord a priority. And do this as an act of faith. Believing that if you make a leap into giving to the Lord through your church, whether it's you trying something new or you doing something more, that God's going to meet you in your emotions about money. He's going to address your fears. He's going to work on your sadness. He's going to speak to your anger, right? And that is you honor your obedience. He will do that. He will lead you into greater life. Why? Because Jesus said... I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And we experience more of that when we tell our Lord, I am holding nothing back from you. So let me ask you, church, quite frankly, how are you doing with this? How are you doing in this area of your life? Now, senior pastor, I don't know how much you give to the church. I don't, nor do any of our other pastors and elders. No, we say this often, but it bears repeating that when it comes to what you give to the Lord through Hopewell, this is kept confidential, and it's only known by our financial staff. Not only that, but as another step of integrity, all our finances are audited annually by an outside CPA firm. Why? Because we take the money stuff really seriously around here. We do. We're serious in how we handle it. We're serious in how we spend it. We're serious in how we track it. Now, knowing this message was coming up, I asked Amy Ryan, Amy is our Director of Finance and Operations, to do some research for me. Now, most of you don't know Amy because she's never up here on a Sunday, but her and her team, man, they are rock stars. Great minds for finances, deep hearts for Jesus. And so I asked Amy this. I said, Amy, we track, I, I know we track dollars of what our church gives each week. What it gives in a year, that number's around $3 million. That's Saginaw, Bay City, online through the app, right? $3 million-ish. But do you know the number of how many people give and how often they give? How many and how often? I wanted to know that because this is me. I'm just like thinking, you know, if we have those numbers, we might get a sense of how many people here have a giving plan and make it a priority. Again, nothing to do with specific dollars, specific names, nothing like that. Just thinking quantity of givers, frequency of their gifts. Quantity of givers, frequency of their gifts. So here's what we found out. I thought I'd share it with you. That last year, we had 853 regular givers. That means they gave four or more times. Now, this could be an individual. This could be a couple. This could be a family unit. 853, a little more than 200 of that are people who are set up for reoccurring giving, right? 853. And then there were another 1,300 or so occasional givers. Should be under four times a year. This would be mostly once or twice. Could be somebody who doesn't even call Hopewell their church home. Maybe they came on Christmas. Maybe they gave to a special offering, right? 853. I'm going, okay, what do I do with that number? Well, on a typical Sunday, if you put Saginaw and Bay City together, we get somewhere on a non-snowy Sunday between 1,800 and 2,000 people for worship. That doesn't include the kids over there. So if I'm doing the math, 853, that's a little under half of that. Now, there's a lot of other dynamics, right? When you factor in family units, 
when you think about who calls Hopevale their church home, quite frankly, that number is a lot bigger than what shows up on every Sunday. So it's hard to like totally read into what that means. But here's what struck me. Wouldn't it be great, this category down here of never givers, in response to obedience to the Lord, started becoming occasional givers? And occasional givers who call Hope Elder Church home turned into regular givers. And regular givers who, by the way, thank you, looked at their lives and either continued what they were doing or asked before the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's part of a plan, it's part of a percentage, it's part of a priority. And everyone was just making some kind of leap into giving. I mean, I'd love to be a part of a church where we're just honest before the Lord, where we're asking these kind of questions, where we're taking these kind of steps of obedience, and we're not looking at the other person going, well, they've got more than I've got, so it's up to them to handle it. And I know you walk through these doors and it feels like we got our act together, but there are always needs because when you think about the collective impact of obedience, of moving up the ladder could do, the kind of impact we could have in our region is unbelievable. That's how God works. Because here's the thing, and I'll just close with this. You know, as a pastor, I don't care so much about the numbers as I do about your heart. I don't care so much about the numbers as I do about your heart. Because as you look at the teachings of Jesus, you, you discover that your giving to the Lord through your church is both a thermometer and a thermostat to your heart. It's a thermometer and a th- What do you mean, Pastor Dan? Well, it's a thermometer in that it takes your spiritual temperature, right? I mean, you can be all words, I love Jesus, right? But if you haven't brought this area of your life under his lordship, it's taken your temperature, quite frankly. But it's also a thermostat because when we become more open-handed with what God has entrusted us, it can raise your spiritual passion as you give that away. So you tell Jesus, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. Whatever I was trusting money for, I'm going to trust you for that. It really can, and it really does take your temperature. It really can, and it really does raise your spiritual passion. That's what, and, and I'm not just making this stuff up, people. No, it's Jesus who said, you know, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus knew that we could get really emotional about money, really worried, right, afraid, Mad, sad. He knew that our hearts could really get invested in the things we treasure the most. That's why giving away our money as an act of worship is such a test of faith. It's a test of faith because money promises those things we all deep down long for. We long for security. We long for significance. We long for status. We long for self-esteem. And money makes those promises. You want to be secure, build up your nest egg. You want to be important, you want to have status, then, you know, look wealthy. You want to have meaning in life and purpose, then, you know, stockpile your wealth. But those are false and empty promises, right? They can't fulfill what only Jesus can with things like your security, your status, your significance, your self-esteem. That's why giving is an act of worship, it's an act of obedience, so don't let your emotions about money, right? Sadness, fear, anger, don't let those hold you hostage. Don't let those keep you from following Jesus. No, make the commitment. Take the leap. And as you do, I bet, I really bet, that your spiritual passion will rise higher in your life than never before. I really believe that. Personally, and if we can do that together as a church, collectively, So let's together take the leap into giving as an act of worship and telling Jesus, you're worth it. You're worth it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for words of promise that tell us We don't need to worry about tomorrow. We don't need to be anxious. But that the best thing to do 
when it comes to money, giving, finances, or anything, is to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Everything else will be taken care of. God, I don't know why it is we get so, well, I do, because it's a matter of the heart. And so, Lord, with literally the hundreds of different life situations in this room, with no two path exactly identical, God, may we each let you search our hearts. May we each let you show us what steps we need to take. As a matter of obedience and surrender in 168 living, because Jesus, you're worth it. Lord, for some, um, I don't think it's going out on a limb to say that this really is the barrier that's keeping them from experiencing all that you want them to do. God, thank you that I don't have to that, have that person figured out, but you do. So speak to us. Because Jesus, you are the one who offers life with a capital L. So help us to believe. Help us to trust. Give us faith to honor you in this and everything. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, a great way to close the service is just to respond in worship. So would you stand and join with the worship team?
so we're we're singing those lyrics. I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me. And I, for some reason, kind of got this picture in my mind of a little kid holding the hand of a grown-up, and the little kid going, "I can't do it. I can't do it." And the grown-up saying, "Trust me. Trust me." And I realize that you know we've been talking about money and giving, and maybe that is your faith area for this week. But for others of you, you're facing different challenges. And the prayer is the same. Give me faith, God, to trust what you say. And so I pray that God would do that for you. Next week, we are going to wrap up our LEAP series. We're going to talk about a leap into baptism. We're also going to share communion together as a church family. But as you go from here, may the Lord give you faith to trust what he says, because you know what? He's good, and he's good to you. God bless you.